you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little bit more sleep. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you do it in the comfort of your own bed than doing it in our pews on Sunday morning. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. Now you're still going to miss out on some stuff that we think is pretty important. You're going to miss out on intergenerational community and the support and the encouragement that that offers. You're going to miss out on some great music and some charming children during children's time. And we won't be able to give you any cookies, but we will give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or perfect homiletical harbingers, but we are average pastors helping our congregations think about the Bible, think about their lives, and how those two come together. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working or coaching your kids' underwater basket weaving team, or maybe even just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church these days. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is you're listening to this, snuggle up in your favorite onesie perhaps with a cup of coffee and listen and receive this with an open mind and open heart. And a quick note, uh, we're United Methodists, so we don't all have to think alike to love alike, which means if you don't think exactly like us, good for you. We're excited about that. We want you to be thinking for yourself. So... Our hope is, whether or not you agree with us, whether or not you think we're on the right track, that you figure out what you think, and our sincere hope is that you experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So, Chris. So, Susan. Well, this Sunday, the first Sunday after Christmas in the lectionary here, is a very, very fun scripture. Oh. It's like the funnest scripture that ever existed. Not. Not. No. If it's not, it's not if it's the one I'm thinking of. So this Sunday, the scripture was Matthew 2 verses 13 to 23. Which is like, it's like a horror movie. Right. It's like the twist in the story. It begins with the wise people, wise men leaving going home a different way so as not to have to go through Jerusalem to report to Herod. Because bloodthirsty Herod is trying to kill Kill everybody. everybody, Right? And then it moves on to Joseph again having dreams about what he should do with his family. Really happy dreams about Herod wanting to kill them all. About Herod wanting to kill them all. And so he's told to go to Egypt and so he takes Mary and the new baby Jesus and they leave in the night. And then Herod swoops in and kills all the infants under two years in the region. I mean, okay, so it was less than 20, probably, small town. But one is too many, right? One is too many. So it's still not a very pretty story, right? Not a pretty, pretty scene. And Jesus and his family live in Egypt until such time as Herod dies and his son is now in charge. Which is probably a couple years later. And so now toddler Jesus. Now toddler Jesus and his family move back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Well, well they they're try. headed back to Bethlehem, but they decide that maybe they need to be a little farther away from the seat of power and they end up in Nazareth. In Nazareth. Which fulfills the, the prophecy. So that he can be called a Nazarene. Which might actually have been a mistranslated Nazarite, but who cares? But who cares, right? Yeah. We have the story. It's what we got. It's we what we got. Go this here. is where we're going. So, so it's a lot of, it's refugee family, refugee it's family. king on the prowl and bloodthirsty, it's 
yeah, babies and mamas crying. It's it's all that pretty beautiful picture postcard perfect stuff. It's an American horror story in e- in, in Egypt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's... So this is one of those passages that many preachers rarely preach because they take the Sunday after Christmas off. Good for them. And some local pastor, retired pastor, they don't want to preach it either. So so they skip to Epiphany and call so it a good, they good night. Call it a good night. So because of the sermon series we did in Advent this year, I really wanted to go all the way into this story with folks so that we, we had the full picture, beginning to have the full picture, right? Gold star pastor. Okay? I'm trying. I'm trying. Gold star pastor because I think it's not helpful. I'm going to go on a Chris Marshall soapbox tangent. Okay. It is not helpful... When pastors skip the ugly parts of the Bible, and here's why. Because then other people can say, well, isn't your Bible the one that has this, this, and this in it? And if you never go to those ugly parts and talk about them, you don't know. Like, you can't defend yourself. You can't defend your own thinking because you haven't thought it through because your pastor hasn't prepared you for it. Yep. And we sugarcoat the whole story. And then when bad things happen in our own lives, we think, well, maybe God's not actually... Right. Working in my life because I've done something wrong and we get terrible theology out of it. And so pastors, I'm begging you, I am begging you, please hit the ugly stuff and hit it hard because it's okay. Even if you are reading a story in the Bible and you're like, I don't think it actually works this way. The Bible is a conversation partner. You can disagree with the Bible, but talk about it because otherwise your people get surprised and then they come crying to me and that makes me sad. <laughs> Definitely. No, and I totally agree. And I think it also, it also makes, here's the Susan Foster, the Susan Foster soapbox, uh, soapbox right? Which is about the Pollyanna thing. Oh yeah. We, we have this saying in our culture that say, oh, they're being Pollyanna, but that means they actually haven't read the book. Yeah. The story of Pollyanna is about a girl who who doesn't think everything's right in the world, but she looks for what is. She's a realist, even though she kind of sees the world through these amazing glasses. She's not false about that there's pain in the world, but she's also like very true about there being grace in the world. You also never want to go head to head with Susan Foster on what's in a book. (laughs) She's read them all. I guarantee you. I unpacked them for her when she moved to Reno. She's read every book, all the books. But what I'm saying is, is that when we, we do that to the biblical text, when we don't argue, we don't converse, we don't struggle with the pieces we don't really like. Yeah. So this is one of those pieces that we don't really like. Right. Because we don't really like and to it, hear that God let babies die. Right. So where I went with this, we did not have the Susan Foster rant and the Chris Marshall, and the Chris Marshall rant, rant at the at beginning of my sermon on Sunday, you know, although heard, that would have been entertaining. My people have heard that rant from me more than once. So yeah, it's okay. and mine have heard mine, so we're good. But what I did on Sunday morning was I talked about how sometimes when we see the Christmas story, the nativity scene story, right? Like the shepherds and the kings and the... And the donkey. And the donkey. <laughs> and the mo- the Mary and the Joseph and the baby Jesus. We have this... It's just a pretty picture, isn't it? It's yeah. just a totally pretty picture. And it's sort of like the difference between watching Walt Disney's Cinderella and reading the original Ooh, Cinderella. Yes. Right? Indeed. So if you don't know that the Walt Disney Cinderella is not the one that was originally written... Invite you to go read the original written one. Not with your children. Not with your children, because it's kind of creepy. gross and creepy. Like, the stepsisters cut off their heels and their toes in order to fit into the glass slipper. And just kind of weird, like, uncomfortable making stuff, right? Yeah. And for me, it's the difference between the photos that people post on Facebook from the hospital after the baby. And actual birth. And the C-section that got them there. Like exactly. th- There's a big difference between those two things. <laughs> 
Thank goodness people don't put those on Facebook. I mean, don't start putting those on Facebook. I would be curious, but know. not on Facebook. It's not. My, it's not my thing. No, no, no. Why did Why did Matthew put this in here? Right, like, like Matthew had this beautiful picture. Yeah, what a buzzkill! What a buzzkill! Right, but Matthew puts this in there because Matthew's going to tell the whole story, and he wants you to know from the beginning he's going to tell the whole story, warts and all, because because he's not done with the story. We're far from the end of the story. Yeah. So Matthew has to tell us the whole warts and all picture, even if it doesn't look as good as the picture-perfect images on our Christmas cards. One of the things Matthew is reminding us of is that Jesus comes and power is challenged. The world is turned upside down. Right. Like, it makes no sense for us to say that Herod was scared of a baby. It makes no sense in the world. But evidently, Herod was terrified of a king who would challenge his his authority right to reign and so god's chosen king comes is coming and bringing justice and peace that come with the kingdom of god it's gonna upset the balance it's of gonna power. upset the balance of power and so herod's this perfect example of this terrified ruler whose whole power is in powers and principalities yeah it's it's in which if you haven't read paul are not good things they're not good things right <laughs> And, and and Herod has put all his eggs in one basket, even though he could have spread his eggs around. Yeah. Right? He But he really has put all his eggs in the basket of power and the Roman Empire and what they can do for him. He's terrified before Jesus shows up because he's killed his own kids. He's right. killed the in-laws. He's not a stable individual. He's not, he's not a good person. He's not a good person. There's this article that Peter Rollins quoted in one of his books, and it was like a country living kind of article about Hitler. And so it was like, they went to his house and, oh, what a lovely home. And, oh, look, he loves dogs. And everybody knows him as the guy who supports local arts and Mm -hmm. isn't their home beautiful and, like, humanizing Hitler. But that doesn't mean that he didn't also kill 7 million Jews. Right. And 25 million Russians and, like, everybody else. You can come across as a nice guy and still do horrible things. Right. And Herod was doing some horrible things. So probably his wife loved him. I don't know. I don't know. I think she was probably scared, too. But yeah, but at the same time, you've got to say, okay, let's look at the reality. Right. And so here's the reality, right? And what Matthew does is says, here's Herod in his reality, his terrifiedness, his his actions that are that are harming others. And then he puts him in juxtaposition next to Joseph. Yeah. And Joseph, he's the person in the story who really should be terrified. He's got this innocent baby and this vulnerable wife who's just given birth and here's the guy who has the power and that holds all the power in the region is aiming for him and aiming for his family but the way that joseph responds to terror is to be faithful he's to listen the, he's got the dream thing going on he's got the dream thing going on he listens he goes okay the whole story of joseph is his faithfulness to the idea that god is calling him somewhere. and after this part of the story he disappears right joseph this is the last we hear from joseph right but he is faithful For Matthew, the way that Joseph shepherds that, enables that to happen, enables the fulfillment of who Jesus is, is there. Hmm. It's fascinating. And and we could look at this story and think, oh, this is a a nice little story that Matthew is telling. But it also applies to our lives. Right. Because we come through a season where we think everything should be perfect. That all the I's should be dotted and all the T's crossed and all the bows tied just perfectly. And that Christmas is ruined. If it's not. I mean, it really is kind of flipping the story from this. Jesus is born and angels are singing to, oh, by the way, the world still sucks. Right. Exactly. The world still sucks. And the world we live in isn't quite perfect yet either. Right? What? 
I know. Shocking. Shocking. And we can relate, right? We can relate. We can we can relate on the macro level of like there are still people being displaced from their homes for political reasons. Absolutely. Right? There are still children suffering because the political powers that be don't care or care more about their own power starvation and and those sorts of things so we can look at that whole thing but also on the micro level like our own personal lives it also appears that we thought this period of our life would look like something we thought this series of days in our life would look like something and they don't someone's hurting someone's ill somebody can't make it And we're struggling with that. So there's that micro, macro, maybe we're being displaced from our home. Maybe we're, you know, like maybe we understand this in a way that we don't want to understand it. Right. In the midst of all of this pain and confusion and anger and depression and helplessness. And so Matthew tells us this dark and difficult story, one we want to pretend doesn't exist, even as we know it does. And we're in the midst of this. And Matthew tells it so that we might see just how God is drawing near to us. And I, and I want to be really careful here. It's not that I think that God causes problems in the world. To drive people closer. To drive people closer to God. I want people God. to be desperate for me. No. God is not some... some psychopath? A psychopath. Or I was thinking codependent love song. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm Thank just you. being very clear about this. But it is in the midst of these harder places that sometimes we find it easier to see God. And sometimes we find it harder, depending on our glasses, half empty, half full kind of personality, maybe, or, or where we are in the midst of some cycle. But what Matthew is saying is, is that, that God is in the midst of even that. God is present in ways we can't imagine and ways we can't predict. So one of the commentaries that killed me uh-huh. when I was reading and prepping for worship on Sunday was this pastoral perspective that basically said, well, you know that God is present because even though God let 20 other babies die, God saved the Messiah, which really saves all of creation. And I'm like, you are not allowed to discount the pain, pain. of 20 mothers and 20 fathers, fathers and, and who knows how many kids. siblings and the whole village. You are not allowed to discount that and to say that God just wasn't with them because God was busy saving, saving his own Messiah. son. Like that drives, that drives me, me crazy. Batty. Batty. Oh, batty is a much nicer word than I was going to use. But batty. And I really think that, that Matthew is really not trying to do that. Matthew's trying to tell this bigger story. I see that a lot on Facebook this time of year with the whole hashtag blessed phenomenon. Oh, yeah. As people do their retrospectives over 2016, it's always like, my grandmother didn't die from cancer and I got married and bought a new house and have a job that pays me $5 million. Hashtag blessed. blessed. And what they really mean is hashtag grateful. Right. right. Like you're allowed to be grateful for the good things in your life. But when you use that word in that way, it makes it sound like the person whose grandmother did die or who didn't get the job is, or who doesn't make tons of money is not God. blessed by God, that God is not working in their life. And that's right. not, not true. true. That's not true. So exactly. use your hashtags wisely, people. Hashtags you wisely. get a soapbox from me, right. too. Right. Right. <laughs> Everybody gets a soapbox today. It's yes. January 2nd. It's the real me. <laughs> So Matthew's telling us this story partially so that we know we're not alone. Yes. The hard stuff. Because Matthew is all about the incarnation, right? This is God made present in human form through Jesus. And how's that going to work out? And I also think the other thing that this passage reminds me of is that we are at the beginning of the story. So sometimes we tell the Christmas story like it's like its own thing, like it's actually not connected. And yet it really is because Matthew is telling the beginning of the story 
and he's telling us this part that helps us with those connections. And we will hear from Matthew the rest of the story, the, the teaching and the healing and the, the leading of these 12 guys who sometimes get it, but mostly don't. <laughs> and Which also gives me hope. <laughs> it gives me great hope. Then also the story of the crucifixion and, and Jesus's death and the resurrection. And the story still won't be done. Matthew's telling us the story and telling us the story so that we might know that we get to live into it as well, that we get to, to enter into the story that God has. Because Christmas us. is still happening in the midst of Christmas is still happening in the midst all of, of all of that other stuff. stuff and right? Christmas is still happening. And Christmas is still happening. That's what gives me hope, and that's what gives me peace in the midst of an unpeaceful world and, a, and, and in the midst of a world that sometimes shifts us away from really being present to what God is in the midst of. And so we tell the story again, and we tell this part of the story because it matters. It does matter. It matters. Sometimes we need to tell the truth about unjust rulers. Yes. <laughs> yes. This might be relevant to you, listeners. Right. And we also need to tell the truth about what violence looks like and right. what violence does. Absolutely. We need to tell the, the truth about grief in all of its forms, that people are in pain. All of that needs to be told. And in the midst of telling that, we are not farther from God, but closer. Yes. Nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God, is what the text says. Romans 8.28. Right? Yep. So let us be present in that. I also one more little thing. One of the commentaries, I think you probably read it too, we had this whole thing about the manger scene and how we pack up the manger scene right about this time every year. Oh, yeah. And we put it away. And the commentator basically said... What if we let the shepherds go back to their sheep and we let the kings go back to their wherever, wherever, but what if we put just the Holy family, the Holy family looking out over the world in the midst of who we are. They're still in that. Yeah. Because they're still there. The story has just begun. The incarnation is is still being revealed. And there are refugee families who are just as vulnerable as that one that we talked about every year. Right. So what if, what if we really held that? That holy family as refugees, they don't get to go home yet. Yeah. They're still wandering. And, and in essence, the incarnation still wanders among us, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. Well, um, cool. Well, thanks, Susan. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been talking about today, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us at sundaymorningsleepin.com. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. The scripture from this podcast was Matthew 2, 13 through 23. And the theme music that you're hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So at the end of every worship service, there's a benediction. And the benediction is a blessing. It's a sending forth. It's a it's a way for us to be thinking about how we go about being in the world. And so today, my benediction or blessing for you is that you would indeed see the whole story. The incarnation still unfolding and the life that is among you. And that you would be telling that story as it continues through your life and the lives of those you're witness to. Amen. Amen. Amen.